very special uh, season here. For those of you who are new to City Hills, every, at the end of every year, I kind of push the pause on our normal scheduled programming and, and series and uh, preaching, and I kind of refocus you on what we call a make-a-difference kind of, of season. So the vision of our church, you'll see that in the worship guide, uh, and I tell you this oftentimes, is, is simple. It's four, there's fourfold that people come to know God, that they know God. Not, not know about God. Knowing about God happens here. Knowing God happens here. Knowing about God is religion. Knowing God is a relationship. Can I get a better amen? And this church is built on people knowing God, having a relationship, a real, vibrant, life-giving relationship with God. But that's not enough. And I know that you think, man, that sounds like a lot, you know, getting saved. I mean, that's what, and it is. It's the first step. But it's not enough because I've met a ton of saved people who are still bound by their past and mistakes and hurts and, and, and things that have occurred, things that they brought with them, habits and hang-ups, and they haven't found real deliverance from that. So... I think, and, and, and the vision of our house is that after you know God, you need to settle your yesterdays, or what we call find freedom. Find freedom. We think you do that best inside of a, a small group of people who can help walk with you through that. I need godly relationships encouraging me to leave behind my past, not keeping me bound to it. Amen, everybody? I saw something the other day that really got me. Why would you go back to the people that hurt you in the first place? You can't drink poison every time you're thirsty you got to be able to leave the past behind and move into all that God has for you. And we call that finding freedom. As a matter of fact, this past weekend we completed uh, a 12-week small group curriculum called Freedom uh, that has been absolutely transformational. We, we filled up three groups over capacity uh, in those three groups. And this past weekend, 40 people went through our Freedom Conference together, a life-changing weekend together. Come on, give God praise for that. I'll tell you one story from it. Where I, I should have got permission, but I think Trent, are you here? Trent, not Trent Harris, the other one. Trent, 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 are you here? Yes. He just walked out. Good. He served on the team. Oh well, I'm telling. It's what you get, bub. Um, his son. He'd been at the beginning of his freedom group. His prayer request was that God touch his children, and he has a, an adult son, 27 year old son. Were y'all? Were they in your freedom group? And that was his prayer that God would touch his son who's been away from God. And 12 weeks of the Freedom Curriculum, they were faithful. Show, show up to Freedom Conference last night and gets a call from his 27-year-old son. He's thinking, man, I'm about to walk into Freedom Conference. Answers the phone. Long story short, his son said, Daddy, I'm ready. Will you lead me to God? And he led his son to Christ just before they started Freedom Conference Friday night. Come on, give God praise for that. That's settling your yesterdays. So that you can do what I think is the best part of Christianity. That you, that you, what Ephesians says that you, you, open, you, you have clarity of your eyes. You open the eyes of my heart, the Bible says. So that you can discover the purpose that God has for your life. So that you can do the thing God really made every person to do. Believe this or not, God created you, the Bible said. And he formed you with purpose in your life to make a difference in someone else's life. like he gave, The Bible says that he, he gave us good works to do that He decided before we were ever born, that God gave us something to do with our life. We call that making a difference. And so this is a make a difference kind of season where we call it legacy because I, I really want you to think about what's beyond you. I want you to think about not just living this life 
for you. God has hardwired you and I to make a difference. And, and, and your legacy is the difference that you make when you're gone. It's what people talk about you when you're gone. It's what your grandkids, and, and honestly, everybody leaves a legacy. I just want you to leave one you're proud of. Like everybody they talk about, and, and some of you, you have ancestors that you, you know, and grandpa and dads or, you know, or, or, or great-grandfathers or grandmothers, and, and you have a, a strong legacy. And then some of you have a legacy of, man, you know, my granddaddy dealt with, with this issue, and then my daddy, and now, you know, there's this generational thing, and I want it off of me. And break, It's what freedom's all about, by the way. I want to break that off of me, and I'm not going to live the same way they lived their lives. But everybody leaves a legacy. I just want to direct you every year at the end of the year to leave a legacy you can be proud of, to do something with your life that your grandkids are proud of. I don't want you to die wondering, listen, I don't want you to die wondering what would have happened had you lived your life to the fullest. And I don't mean skydiving, because skydiving is sinful. Anyway, I, like anybody, why you would jump out of a perfectly good airplane, I have no idea. So I'm not talking about living life to the fullest like that. Only crazy people do that. I, I'm talking about living the life God designed you to live. I'm talking about living your life in such a way that you go to bed every night. You may not have everything you've ever wanted. You may not have the big ranch that you dreamed about. You may not drive that brand new Ford F-150, the 2020, the Raptor one that maybe that's just me. Whatever it is in your heart, I'm just telling you what's in mine. You may not have everything that you want. Listen, but you know that you know that you know that your life counts, that you made a difference, that you're living in your purpose. That kind of satisfaction. I want you to go to bed every night living that way. I don't want you to die without that feeling in your life. And I think probably the best illustration of that I found in the Bible is Psalms 112. David, who leaves this legacy of being a man after God's own heart, says it like this. That good will come to him or her. Good will come to them who is generous, lends freely, and who lives in such a way they conduct their affairs with justice. Two, two sides to a legacy life. How you give. And how you live, how you give, and how you live. That there's generosity in your life, and that you live your life in such a way that it's justice. And then the Bible, I love this about the Bible because it's not just about your eternity. I'm always amazed when I meet Christians who trust God. They believe God to take care of their eternal salvation, but they can't trust God for their temporary problems. Like, I believe God can save me for eternity, but I don't believe He can change my marriage on Monday. And the Bible says He wants to do both for you. He wants to, if you'll, if you'll learn generosity and how to conduct your affairs with justice, surely He will never be shaken. That's how I want you to live your life. That even when everything around you is shaking, you are not shaken. I, I need a better amen than that. That when the whole world is spinning, you can stand flat-footed and say, I'm, tr I'm trusting God now, and I'm not shaken in my life. And then he said, if you'll live your life this way, generosity, conducting your affairs with justice, that a righteous person would be, there it is, remembered forever. That's legacy. That's really what I want you to do with your life, to live in such a way. Listen, write this down. But because here, here's the truth about your life. Whatever you do for you, like living your life for you, about you, through you, by you, whatever we do for ourselves, it usually dies with us. Or your kids fight over it. Or, or, or your grandkids don't talk, you know, because one of them wanted the house and Papa's armoire and, you know, Mama's quilt and y'all, and you're fighting over that. Is that just in the South or does that happen in Texas? 
Okay, it happens where I'm from, okay, everybody, and they're fighting, and they, I just had somebody, I know their story. They're fighting over all, it usually dies with you, all the stuff I built for me, all, all the savings I had, all the 401Ks, all the houses I bought, all the cars I bought, all that stuff kind of dies with me. But in a legacy life, listen, whatever you do for others, it has the way of living beyond you. This is what I want this church to, be, to live your lives. This is why we do what we do. This is, this is why everything that we have is about others here. I love you. I pastor you. I, I, I'm training you. I want to equip you, empower you. I want to put you on a team. But really, I want to get you involved in what God's doing so that you can do this. Because this church isn't just built for us. It's built for others. Because what we build for us dies with us. What we do for others lives beyond us. That's legacy. That's where your life lives on. And today, like we do every year, we have the opportunity to renew our vision to build the house of God. We say this all all, all over the place. I don't see it up on the stage today. I don't know where uh, it's on the stage, but on all of our portable cases, you'll see a sign that we put on all of our portable cases. We put it everywhere for our dream team to see that it's a privilege to be on this team. Thank you, God, for choosing me. Like, it's a privilege to do this. I tell my kids, I tell our teams, I tell our huddles, it, the greatest privilege of my life is to build the house of God. Like, that's the kind of legacy I want my life to live. I want my kids to have good security. I want my wife, she'll outlive me, I hope. And I want, I want her, but none of y'all can, don't trying to fix her up with your granddaddy. Don't do that. I'll come back and haunt you. So, I, you can't do that. I made that up. Too. <laughs> anyway, I, I want them to be taken care of. I want my kids to be taken care of, but that's not the legacy I want them to have. I want them to have a spiritual legacy that the house of God changed our family and everything that we have, we have because of the spiritual legacy that our parents left us, that my daddy trusted God, loved God, gave all he had. I tell my wife this all the time. I want to go to heaven exhausted and broke. She doesn't really like that last part. But I want to go to heaven empty. I don't, you can't take any of this with us. I want to give my whole life to reaching people who haven't heard, who are hurting and broken and building the house. I want to build something lives beyond me. And legacy is that kind of thing. And, and God is doing amazing things. I wish I had time. I've done this. Matter of fact, if you'll look back over our archives the last couple of months on Vision Sunday, I kind of I told you some of the areas, the people, the, the hundreds and hundreds of people who've been saved and baptized and born again and their lives changed and found freedom in a group and on a team serving in their purpose and the thousands, the tens of thousands of dollars we've given away around the world in just three short years and how we've planted churches and what God's doing but listen we get to do more together because and and I gotta can I can I give you a little old old school preaching for about 30 seconds is that okay it doesn't matter if you say it's okay I will we are racing the rapture everybody do you still believe that Jesus is coming back? Am I the only one that still, I still believe that. Like I believe, the, I believe the Bible when it says it like this, that there's going to come a day when there's a trumpet sound. I don't know how it's going to sound like. I just know the whole world, every single ear on planet earth will hear the same sound at the same time. And their eyes will be drawn to the eastern sky. And the Bible says the dead in Christ will raise first. And then the, we who are alive and remain will be called up to meet him together in the air. And Jesus is coming back. Listen. And we've got work to do before He comes back. 
Like I don't have time to waste. I don't have a Sunday to waste. I don't have a week to waste my life. I don't, I, don't, we, I don't have the privilege of wasting this precious life God's given me. I've got work to do because Jesus is coming back. And He's only coming back for one thing, by the way. He's only coming back for the church, the Bible says. He's only coming back for His bride. So what would I give my life to? I'm going to give my life to the thing that Jesus is coming back for. I'm going to give my life to the thing Jesus has taken to heaven with Him. I'm going to give my life to what Jesus bled and died for, His bride, the church. We get to do it. We get to do it together. I, I, I tell my kids, I have two babies if we haven't met. My baby just turned eight, my baby girl, and I have a little boy who's five. Pray for me. And uh, I, we, we tell them every Saturday night, I, I, it's, this is true, you can ask my wife, every Saturday night's like Christmas Eve in our house. They, they struggle going to bed. They're so they're so hyped up because we don't make church. You say what you you bring you bring your kids to yeah they're here early. They come to two services. They sit through two services. They they're in kids ministry two times a, a week. Why do you do all that? We never tell our kids we have to go serve tomorrow. We have to get up early. And I saw some of you our dream team. It's not just about us. I saw you bring your kids to church at seven o'clock this morning. Pile them out of that minivan with goldfish. Come on, falling all over the place. And do, just doing the eating granola bars, crushing that stuff in the floor, doing the best you can to get your kids here. Why? Not because we have to, but because we get to be a part of what Jesus is doing. We get to see lives change today. We get to do it together. That's what I love about this dream team. They don't, they don't come in here serving with their mouths hanging down or sad about it or angry about it. They serve with joy in their lives. Why is that? Because we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. I like to say it this way. Write this down. That none of us are as good as all of us. None of us are as good as all of us. It's why we talk so much about team here and team ministry. It's why we lead as a team. Brandon and I pastor as a team. My staff is on a team. It's, it's why we, we put you in teams. It's why we talk about teams. I lead with teams. Not, 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 because, not because one person can't do it. It's because none of us are as good as all of us can do together. That we could accomplish more together. That God designed us to do more together. That the church is about us, not about me. Can I get a better amen? That we're not going to build this church on the gifts and talents of a few, but on the sacrifice of many. That all of us have a part to play, and we lead that way. As a matter of fact, our trustees and elders are joining me on the stage. We lead that way from the very top of our organization all the way down. I'm excited to talk to you today about this. I'm just I'm releasing a little bit of information for you along the way. But when we started our church four years ago, we have a governmental structure. Even though we're non-denominational, we have high, high accountability and one of the layers is our overseers. What we call overseers, they serve as uh, apostolic. They, they, they move in, the, in the, uh, the, the gift of an apostle as an overseer of many churches. There are three of them who oversee my ministry, Brandy, my marriage, this church. They help us. And I, I have a, my, my pastor is on that committee of overseers. Let me pause here and tell you, this is going to sound a little self-serving, but everybody needs a pastor. I'm, 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 I mean that. And if you, don't, if you don't believe that, you can be wrong. But everybody needs a spiritual leader. <laughs> I need it. I need spiritual leadership in my life. I am not good on my own. 
I need a spiritual leader who and 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 my pastor does by the way. How's your marriage? What are you looking at? What are you watching online? Tell me about what you've clicked on your phone. T- tell me about your marriage. T- t- tell me about how you're treating your kids. Tell me about your prayer life. And that was just last week. T- t- I'm serious. If I did that to y'all, I wouldn't have no church here. T- t- tell me about tell me about are you fasting? Are you reading the Bible? Are you praying for people? Do you love people? Are you walking in grace? What are you doing? My pastor is my is is on that committee of overseers. And for three years, those people also helped me make every decision in our church because we moved here and didn't know anybody. Like Brandy and I didn't know a soul, but ourselves and our two kids, and I wasn't sure they were gonna come to this church. We didn't know nobody when we started. And then in January of of this year and 21 days of prayer that we're about to enter into, I, I felt the Holy Spirit tap me on the shoulder and say, you need to empower local leaders. I've, I've sent you people, I've sent you men to help you carry this burden. Like God sent Joshua and Caleb to Moses. They held his hands, walked with him for 40 years as he pastored that millions of people in the desert. God has a plan. And so in the fall of this year, I approached some men and said, I think God has anointed you. And I want to introduce some to you. So we have a, a set of elders, what we call elders. In the New Testament, you'll see the word elder before you'll see the word pastor. And elders were set in New Testament churches to help guide the church. They give spiritual leadership and spiritual authority. They help make good decisions. And Randy and Michael, this is everybody. Does everybody know Randy? Have I, everybody know Randy Hines? I hope that you do. I talk about it all the time. Michael Cokerham and their wives. They are spiritual elders here in our church. They've agreed to serve and I felt good, and they felt like the Holy Spirit talked to them. And these men offer counsel to me. They offer counsel to my staff. They help lead and pastor and help us make good decisions. They help with church disputes or anything that goes on in this church. They, they protect me from you and you from me. Come on, everybody. <laughs> and these are godly men. And, and by the way, they serve on the dream team. One thing I love about them is one thing I think God anointed them for. And I wish I could tell you the times that Marsha, Randy's wife, my personal intercessor, she, 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 she told me, by the way, when somebody tells you God said I'm supposed to pray for you, you just say, yes, ma'am. You know what I'm saying? That's just what you do. And his wife came to me a couple of years ago now and said, God told me I'm supposed to cover you every time. I'm preaching right now. I guarantee you, Randy, she's praying for me while I preach the gospel to you. Everywhere I travel, I send her a text and tell her she covers me while I travel and prays for me. I can't tell you the 3 a.m. text messages that wake me up and Marcia Hines says, here's what God says, and I'm praying for you. And they lead with leader Paige Cokerham, Michael's wife. I'm making it sound like they're the spiritual leaders, but anyway, I just want you to know. Paige texts my wife more times than I could possibly tell you. Almost weekly, she'll tell me. Paige sent me another text, gave me exactly what God told me and, and, and encouraged me. They covered us. They pray for us. These men are leading in our church spiritually, and they're helping us make good decisions. Today, I honor them. None of us are as good as all of us. Come on, everybody. Not just spiritual elders, but we need elders to help us make good financial and business decisions. Not because I would do something nefarious, but because none of us are as good as all of us. And so uh, uh, we, we asked these two men, uh, William and, and Stu, to serve. Stuart Price, William Aratu, to serve as uh, our trustees, which are elders who help us make business decisions. So you've heard over the last couple of months and really for over the past year or so, you've heard me talk about how our elders and trustees are looking for buildings and vetting every opportunity. These are the men that are doing just that. And when I tell you they're vetting every opportunity, look, look at me in the eyes. 
don't don't not cut your grass for a couple of weeks because if these guys drive by, they're going to make an offer on your house. You know what I'm saying? Like they're looking for everything. <laughs> like if it looks like you need to paint it, they're like, I think it's abandoned. We can go for it, Pastor. Let's do it. I'm making an offer. <laughs> they're, they're walking around the AMC praying God send it bankruptcy. What a, like they, <laughs> Last night, I was on the phone with them last night. About, about property and buildings and could we and should we and let's go pray about that. Let's go walk around that. I, I'm just telling you, none of us are as good as all of us are. And I honor them for their business acumen. Stewart's a retired full bird colonel in the United States Air Force. and Yeah. He makes me go to work early in the mornings. Like he wants me there for roll call early in the mornings. And William, I, I wish I could tell you, he and his wife, decades worth of business acumen, extremely successful in the marketplace and in business and in high finance. They help us make good They oversee our budgets. We just set 2020 budgets. They help us give demissions. They help us save properly. None of us are as good as all of us are together. Can you say amen to that, everybody? Thank you, guys. Come on, give them big honor. That's good. You can stand for that. Give them big honor. I love that. None of us are as good as all of us. You can be seated. None of us are as good as all of us. I'm not. You're not. None of us are as good as all of us. We need each other. God designed us to do this together. So what do I do, Pastor? What part do I play? I'm, gra- I'm, I'm glad you asked because you have a part to play. Write this down in your notes. Three things I think God's called all of us to do today. The first is prayer. We start with prayer. Prayer is not our last resort, it is our first response. I'm always amazed when I meet with people who say, Pastor, all we can do now is pray. All we can do now is pray. That's all we ever could do, everybody. (laughs) That's not all we can do now. That's what we did when we first started. And today, your part to play is pray. And I'm asking you to pray, pray, pray. But when Jesus has a prayer request, listen, it's important. Jesus only gave us one prayer request in all the New Testament. One thing Jesus said, when you pray, I want you to ask God for this. Ask my Father this. Here's what He said, Matthew 9, 37. Then He said to His disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Like over 70% of people who live in San Antonio say they don't identify with a local church or any spiritual life at all. The harvest is plentiful. We're in dark places like in Haiti, the poorest, most corrupt country in the Western Hemisphere, probably on, on planet Earth at this current time. We're in places like Manila in the Philippines where children are abandoned by the tens of thousands to live on the street. We're building orphanages and churches there. Places like Uganda where we're about to partner and bring water, life-giving water and food into a village, not just so we can feed them and clothe them, but when we feed them and clothe them, we're going to do it in Jesus' name and then leave a church behind where we can feed their eternal souls. The harvest is plentiful. It's the workers that we need more of. So when you pray, Jesus says, ask the Lord of the harvest, ask the Father to send out workers into His harvest field. So when you pray, I'm asking this church to 
pray for people to be saved every single Sunday at City Hills. I pray for it every Sunday here. I, I, when I walk into this building, I'm pray, when I'm driving here, I'm praying, God, fill those seats with people who need salvation, people who need hope today, people, people who need, I, I want people to be saved in our local missions, what we do locally and nationally as we plant churches around the, uh, the country and internationally as we're in places who've never heard. I just met with a missionary just this past week, an opportunity we have in Oman. The nation of Oman is on the on the Arabian Peninsula. There is it is it is uh, bordered by Yemen, where there's a civil war who's been going on for decades now, where there are literally tens of thousands of people killed. The United Arab Emirates, which is the gateway to the Middle East, and Saudi Arabia, ninety percent of all terrorism globally comes off the Arabian Peninsula. And this missionary and her husband, which I can't even point out to you today for their safety, have embedded themselves in that community. They they built in businesses and, and, and places to be able to to be able to sustain their lives in Oman for the sole purpose of reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're in places that people have never heard. They're translating the Bible so that people can get an Arabic Bible in their in their language. They're 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 help, they're helping pray for Muslims, how they can connect the Quran, how the Quran points to Jesus and, and pointing people to Jesus. Why am I telling you all that? Because when you pray, I want you to pray for workers into the harvest field. Pray our vision. I, I pray our vision every time I pray. God, help people to know God. Help them settle their yesterdays and find freedom. Help people this weekend. Matter of fact, Growth Track Step 2 is going on right now. There are people right now who are discovering the way God designed them. And help people see that the ultimate plan for their life is not to sit back and enjoy Christianity. It's to be an active participant in reaching more people, making a difference with their lives. Pray for leaders to be raised up. Pray for our staff. Pray for our elders and pray for our trustees and pray for my staff. Pray for Brandy and I. Pray for my children. Pray, pray for leaders, our team leaders that lead in our dream team. Pray for leaders to be raised up. Pray for a permanent home for City Hills. When you pray, pray for a home. I'm telling you that as you give today in our legacy offering, a, a large percentage of that is to prepare us for that permanent home. And, and I want you to be praying for it because we don't want just anything. We want what God has for us. Say amen to that, everybody. We want what God wants for us. And let me just go ahead and tell you right now, i gotta, I got to teach you this real quick because I don't ever want this to sneak into your spirit. Uh, getting a church building, a permanent home for City Hills, is not the end zone. Cowboys fans don't know what the end zone is. It's where you score. It's, it's where you... S- <laughs> I'm sorry. I said I wasn't going to do it, but I did it. <laughs> Y'all focus back. I've lost half the crowd now. It's not the end zone. Listen, a church building isn't the end zone. It's not the score. A church building is a bigger locker room. We're going to put more people on the field reaching people in Jesus' name. We just need a bigger house where we can train and empower and send more people to do what God's called them to do with their whole lives. Are you there? Say amen. We pray. Here's the second thing i got to hurry. We're going to give. We're going to do that in just a moment. We're going to give together. The Bible says it like this. You can't outgive God. Luke 6 says that, that give, and when you give, God's going to give back to you. That's not our motivation, but it's just the cause and effect of the kingdom. When I give, it's given back to me. And when God gives back to me, He doesn't just give me a little bit. He gives me a good measure. I love that. In the south, that's called land yap. Come on, somebody. He gives you a little bit, little bit more, a little land yap on the side. Where are all my Louisiana people at on that? A little extra, a little something. And when he does it, he, just, he presses it down. I love that about God. He says, 
says, Get, I want blessings to press down in you. And then I shake it together. And then I, that's, how I, I, that's, that's how I pack. Come on, somebody. I feel like it's my suitcase at the line at Southwest. And I'm just at 50 pounds. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And you do the best you can. I just push it all down in there. And even when I press it together and shake it together, it's still running over. God never intended you to live just enough. God always intended you to be able to have running over kind of blessings in your life. When you give to God, He gives back to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. With the measure you use, probably one of the scariest things in all the Bible to me, with the measure you use, the generosity of your heart is the generosity of heaven. That's how it's measured back to you. We give. We give for our permanent home. We give to our local missions here, like Hill Country Daily Bread, and taking it to the streets. And One of the things I love to do over the course of the next couple of weeks, between now and the end of the year, our team gets to go to our local missions partners, and some of them don't know, but they're going to get massive Christmas blessings in Jesus' name. We're going On your behalf, we're going to take care of some of their budgets. We're going to fund some of their projects. We're just, we're just going to partner with missions who are already doing what God's called them to do. We're just going to come alongside them and use the money that you and I give together, and we're going to partner with them to keep doing what God's called them to do. We get to give together to that, everybody. Our world, like... Like ARC, the Association of Related Churches, who plants churches around the world. Since founding ARC 17 years ago, we've planted almost 900 brand new life-giving churches in metropolitan cities literally around the America. We're, we're going into cities like New York City and San Francisco and Miami and places that need gateway cities to reach the world and, a, and across the world. We're doing it in, in, in places in Europe. We're, there's a massive revival in ARC right now in Europe. What's known as the dark, that dark you know, continent and the dark ages of Christianity there in Europe. There's light breaking forth in Jesus' name, and you're a part of that when we give together. And here's the last thing, and, and we'll pray. The last thing is that you go. Now, I don't mean go. Nobody else can go. I mean, I, 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 I want to direct your attention into, into something beyond just us. And I think God, I think, I think the heart of God is for the next generation. The disciples were angry with Jesus one day because children were attacking him. They had checked in so many kids at Jesus' service. And children were everywhere. And the disciples come to him and says, make all these kids be quiet. Send them all away. Jesus rebuked not the kids. He rebuked the disciples. And he said, forbid not, King James. Children come to me. That there's, there's something about the heart of God for the next generation. Listen to me. Look at me. I don't ever want to be a church who's just worried about us. I want to be a church who's worried about what's next. About who we're raising. About your kids, my kids. I don't want this church to die with Brandy and I. I want to hand it off to your kids and our kids and the next generation. Matter of fact, the Bible says it's our job. Psalm 78 says it like this. This is probably my favorite it says, we're not going to hide them from their descendants. I'm not going, we're not going to send kids away and young people and students. And we're going to keep investing in them. We will tell the next generation, this is my favorite, the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. Don't you love that? We're going to tell the next generation how good God has been to us. About all of the power 
and all of the wonders that God has done in our lives. That He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel. In other words, this has been going on since eternity. When God made a covenant with Jacob, with Israel, He established that family. And we're going to keep telling and keep telling and keep telling. Our ancestors taught us. And so the next generation should read this. Know them. That they know God. When, when you give in the legacy offering, we're, we're going to give so that they know God. Even children who aren't born yet, that those children would in turn tell their children. And you and I would leave a legacy. We're doing it together in the next generation. Our interns, join me on the stage really quickly. This past fall, uh, our, our team came to me and said, hey, uh, we don't know how to do an internship. We don't know what it's going to look like, but could we? Can we bring a bunch of young adults and say, what can we do together? How can we reach more people together? Is there something we can do together? And listen, we didn't know what we were doing. And there's a ton of holes. And we're, we're, we're stepping back and learning. And we're trying together. And we're retooling. And what do we do it in 2020? How do we make it better? And how can we involve more you know, young people in, in high school? But we, we said, we just got to do something. And so we took our first class of interns, everybody. And we're graduating them today. For the last 13 weeks, they've been interning. Come on, do better than that, everybody. Young adults who are building the house of God, giving their hearts and souls, showing up early, staying late, praying, working. They've been around my office, moving, working, doing things. Try. They come here early. They stay late. They're leading teams just today. Uh, D- D- Jeremy's been with us almost since we started the church, and today for the first, it couldn't have been a better time. He's MDing. He, he led the whole band today on the stage. Come from Jeremy. Just an amazing. We even brought one. Lydia just joined my staff. She's joined our staff. We, we hired her because it just uh, the heart and the soul, and we knew, and God put it all together. Just an amazing. Why would you, why would you start an internship when you don't even have a building? Because I got it. I got to tell the next generation of what God's done for us. Like it can't die with us. Can't die with you. I, I want I want them to build the house of God. I want them to love this church like I love this church. I want it's not enough for us. I grew up in church with a bunch of gray hair. Nothing wrong with it. Listen. But it was it was all them. What happens when they all die? It dies with them. Not this church. We need you. That's why we have elders. We need you. We need your wisdom. But we also need the next generation. My job's to bridge that gap and say, hey, let's thank God for what He's done and let's teach them how to keep building the house of God together. Amen, everybody. Because you're going to have to see God using you to build something. Listen, i got five more minutes. Because you're going to need God to use you. You've got to see God using you build something. Write this down. A legacy life takes faith to see that what I give, the investment that I make, isn't just for my temporary, right now, immediate gratification return. That I'm building something beyond me. We sort of live in this world that it's all about what can I get right now? How fast can I get it? How quick can we have it? This microwave generation where it's, I want it now and I'm mad because I didn't get it soon enough. What if we could live our lives thinking about others and beyond us and what could we build and how can we leave a legacy? First part of this year, I felt like God gave me a scripture for this church that would be foundational for our church. I believed in it so much, I directed our creative teams to, to build a banner and put it on the wall. 
It's, you, it's, it's actually, it's hanging out right there now. You, you've passed by it dozens and dozens of times. You may have never read it. But I think it's God's word for us. It says it like this in Ephesians 2. It says, God is building a home. Gosh, I love that. Not a cathedral. Not, a, not, not, not just a house of worship. Listen close. Don't get this confused. God's building a home. Home is where family is. Where we gather around the table together and share meals and where we share our stories and our lives together. God's building a home. And He's using us all. All of us. And then I love how the Bible throws this in there because the first thing that people do is disqualify themselves. Oh, He means them. He means other people. He means people who can sing better, talk better, preach better, do that. Oh, I don't have what they have. I can't do what they do. He said, no, 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 no. He's using you irrespective of how you got here. I love that he said that. All the misfits who say, oh, it's not for me. No, no, no. doesn't matter how you got. You could have just got here today. You could have just got saved at the movies. And he's using you to build a home. And he used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. But now he is using you. And then I love this imagery. He said he's, he's fitting us in. Brick by brick. Stone by stone, He lays us together. And Christ Jesus is the cornerstone that holds all the other parts together. But, but you have a part to play. He's fitting you in. Doesn't look like much now. Doesn't look like it's going to, I don't know, God, how are you going to use this? I don't have a lot to give. I don't have, God, I don't know what you're going to do with this. I don't know really how this is going to make a difference, but I don't know how just greeting people at the front door makes a difference. I don't know how my giving and tithing and putting God, I don't know really. God, I don't know. But He's building us together, brick by brick, stone by stone. And if, and if you can see with your faith eyes, it's taking shape every day. Oh, I see what he's doing. He's building a holy temple built by God. Listen, and all of us are built into it. Church isn't a building. It's a home. God's not building a church. He's building a home. And listen, this is my favorite part of the whole verse, and I'll let you, I'll let you go. Listen. He's building a temple in which God is quite at home. Man, what if what you and I could leave as a legacy is a place where God was at home? Where the Spirit of God who could set people free from past addictions and their hurts and their shame and their guilt, where the spirit of religion could be broken off of them and they could walk into life-giving relationship where purpose and dreams are rebirthed inside of them, where they could live the rest of their lives on mission for God. What if you could build, what if we could together, what if God was using all of us to build a place where He's quite at home? And today as we're given the legacy offering, that's exactly what we're doing.
It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take sacrifice of all of us. You're not going to get convenient. It's not going to be convenient. A legacy person doesn't think about their convenience. They think about what we can do to leave a legacy together. It takes generosity. You're never more like Jesus than when you give. The Bible says it like this, For God so loved the world that He... Giving is the heart of God. You're never more like God than when you give. And when you step back, you're going to realize, man, God used us to build a home. And I'm asking you, I have for the last six weeks, and I'm going to ask you today, as you come prepared to give in the legacy offering, to pray and obey God. I've never put any pressure on you at all. I'm not going to start today. I'm just going to ask you to ask God. I have, and I hope that you're willing to obey today. And some of you, God speaking to you today. Over the course of the next few weeks, between now and the end of the year, you'll give in the legacy offering so that we can continue to build God a home. Bow your heads, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the chance I have to be in God's house and thank you that I get to build step by step, brick by brick, stone by stone. I get to build a place where you, you're at home. The Bible says you inhabit, you live the praises of Israel, of your people. God, I want you to live here. I want you to inhabit here. I want you to have a home here. And so today, I'm asking, come on, every person praying in the room, I'm asking you to speak to hearts about what they could do to be a part, how you would talk to them to be a part, building a home for people who are broken, people who don't fit, people who are hurting, people who are lost, people who've never heard, where God is quite at home. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen.